0: Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're live streaming, if you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. Coming up in 20 minutes, Clay Travis will join us. Takes a break from the book tour. We'll set him up. We'll let him... I can't wait for the perfect story from the book tour. There's got to be one. Yeah, I just
1: like to... Yeah, I want to learn all about a book tour. I just want to know what that's like when you're out, you know, pressing the flesh, greeting your public... Signing. like, What's the craziest thing he's been asked to sign in the book to someone? All of it. And to who? Yeah. You know,
0: Sign this for so-and-so.
1: You're a dirty little boy and you need to be scrubbed. <laughs> Love, Clay Travis. <laughs> Has that been a request from anyone? Has anyone asked him to sign his Jonathan Hutton, the book? Uh, uh, doubtful. We'll get into that.
0: Doubtful. Case I've, of mistaken identity. I could sit down at a, a local bookstore, though, and potentially sit in for Clay if he's tired.
1: Yes, Hutton will be at the Barnes and Nobles in uh, Green Hills later tonight. <laughs> ask Clay. Where he will sign Clay's book. <laughs> that would actually be a funny yeah, bet I've, I've, if uh, you could just, just, about just send a picture of you and say Clay Travis signing books somewhere and you show up and sign as Clay and see if you generate more sales for Clay.
0: I, I like the idea. Kurt Schilling uh, joins us in about an hour and uh, 20 minutes from right now, a lot on Major League Baseball. Uh, Chad, across the NFL, preseason games about to get going. Uh, the hurry-up-and-wait aspect of the NFL regular season is here. And as you look across the top storylines, there are plenty at certain positions. And one of the underlying stories, I haven't heard much about how Russell Wilson has been in practice with Sean Payton. It's, more, it's been about more about uh, what Sean Payton's doing within the locker room and what he's saying about other coaches, specifically Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, but he has four rules that he's implementing for his players when they come out of the game uh, throughout the preseason. Players must take off their uniforms after they're done playing. They are not allowed to wear sunglasses. That makes sense because it should be at night for the most part. Bucket hats, or as Peyton called them, Gilligan hats, are strictly forbidden. Players, regardless of status, are not allowed to take interviews during the game. No further explanation given for the reasons of these rules. But... A lot of these happen across the league. I guarantee you all of these happened last season with Nathaniel Hackett.
1: (laughs) It's it's like he's just going through video of practice and games last year and everything that even remotely irritates him. He is making a note of it and saying, I will eliminate this. I will eliminate this. Anything, I mean, he said it. Anything they did, we're doing the opposite this year. If I see dudes with Gilligan hats, as he calls it, on the sideline, those Gilligan hats can GTFO. If I see a dude that's got his jersey untucked and looks disheveled, well, we're going to eliminate that by getting the jerseys off of them the moment they're playing. And we're going to put a ball cap, turned right side up, not backwards on these guys. It, It really is just opposite day. It is whatever Nathaniel Hackett would do, whatever decision he would make, whatever he would allow, I will not allow if he made this decision, we're doing the exact opposite. I think it's it's both psychological and exactly who Sean Payton is. There's also a, a solid chance Sean Payton is just the opposite of Nathaniel Hackett as a coach. We'll get into it a little bit later. I watched all of the first episode of Hard Knocks. Um, my opinion of Nathaniel Hackett has changed a bit, having watched episode one of this, but... My opinion of Nathaniel Hackett as Broncos coach has not changed at all. It, it was a terrible season. Well, let, let's jump into it because it ties in with Hackett from last night. I, I watched it
0: as well. Um, he was known as being kind of the, not the butt of the joke, but he, he was the jokester. He was the, he was the rah-rah guy in the locker room from the, from the coaching staff perspective and uh, known for being the hype man, so to speak, in Green Bay and everywhere he's been, Jacksonville and other spots. Is that the perception you got based on the games and things they're playing with Rodgers post practice?
1: Yeah, he's got a big personality. He was oh, he's loud. He yeah. was funny. I mean, he was getting on guys. You know, he's getting frustrated. But he and Rodgers do. have – I joked that they're ping pong buddies. You know that Rodgers yeah. really took to him. That but tracks. Rodgers talking about it, talking about him also, says when he got the job, and I think he said 2018. That sounds right. 20, 2017 or 2018, whatever it was in Green Bay, maybe 2019, that that first summer, you know, he's hitting me up three or four times to just chat and texting me, and I'm thinking, who is this guy? And he said, then the more you get to know him, the more you like him, and their personalities really mesh. Now, Rodgers gives it back to him also. You know, they're in practice, and he's like, why are you calling that? What are you saying about this hitch right here? It's not open, or this. And they're kind of cussing back and forth at each other. So I I don't look at it as a – with those two. And this is this is the case with a lot of big-time quarterbacks in the league. It is not a I'm your boss. You know, you will do as I say coach to quarterback relationship. It's a partnership. They seem like two buddies that like to joke around and both are very competitive and both can get frustrated and yell at the other and it's going to be fine right after they speak their piece and they can move move forward. It's not a he's the coach and you're the player type thing. It's no. it's a partnership with those it two.
0: Th- this is it hard knocks. It- it's more HBO Hard Knocks Aaron Rodgers than it is HBO Hard Knocks New York Jets. That was clear in the first episode. Where's all this non, non, uh, the, the cooperation thrown out the window from the Jets' perspective, too?
1: Yeah, I thought they, this was fine. They it, cooperated fine.
0: Yeah, and it's NFL Films there on site. It's not HBO crew. I mean, HBO's paying
1: for the rights to air it. Um, the only thing they weren't cooperative on was anyone speaking to Liev Schreiber other than Aaron Rodgers, which was hilarious. And I thought Schreiber was funny. And he even joked, oh, by the way, I wanted to drive over because he lives in New York City. But HBO thought it'd be funnier if I came in on a helicopter where he broke the fourth wall. But Aaron Rodgers going to every teammate, hey, go talk to him, man. That's Leif Schreiber. He's the narrator. He's the voice of God. And everyone's like, no, nah, I'm good. And I'm he, doesn't, he doesn't sound the same. Uh, no, that, he does sound know, different. Yes, I watched Ray Donovan, a show he was on for many seasons. He's got a Boston accent on the show, but when you hear him on that show, then to hear that, I, it took me a while to match it up that it's the same person. He's doing something to his voice. I feel like when he narrates, like it is a deeper version of his natural voice. Just go
0: straight bass
1: that he's doing when he's reading the narration of it, and he's cool talking about it too. He's like, "I don't do anything. They write it all out for me." I go into a studio and, and read it, and then it comes out on the show and looks and sounds great. I love the first episode of it, and I also think Aaron Rodgers is the best personality quarterback I've ever seen on this show. Now, this is coming off me watching all of quarterback, where I thought Kirk Cousins was terrific. I thought Mahomes was great on the show, but I am a Kirk Cousins fan now, just getting a chance to see his personality and his home life on that show. I'm going to be an even bigger Aaron Rodgers fan when this is all over. I loved him and every single Jets teammate would not even knowing they're on camera at times, talking to someone on the sideline talking about Rodgers and he's great. He's an awesome dude. Great personality. Loves cutting up with everyone. This is scoring a lot of points for Aaron Rodgers so far. If you've watched this first episode, but you're right Hutton. It is hard knocks Aaron Rodgers and not necessarily featuring, hard knocks Jets. Featuring
0: Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. Yeah. They were superstars.
1: And Garrett Wilson was cool, too. And, and Sauce Gardner, we know, has a big personality. But I Hackett, I like him, having watched this. I, I, I see him, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get why players like him. I get why guys defended him. Yeah. Uh, he seems like a likable dude. And how about the hilarious moment where they're playing the the throwing game, the where they're, you're trying to hit the pylon, and they say something based off the movie Basketball <laughs> to a psych out just saying something silly or anything to throw the person off right as they throw it. And Aaron Rodgers said Sean Payton <laughs> softly to Nathaniel Hackett as he threw the ball. Really well done. I'm a big fan. Uh, Derek Carr could break an
0: NFL record that he doesn't want to top the list with, but it also shows longevity in the fact that he left the Raiders, I guess. So, we've got 32 teams. No quarterback has ever lost to all 32. And No quarterback has ever lost to 31 different teams. That could change this year because Carr has never lost to the Panthers. He's certainly playing them twice with the Saints. Next year is when they're scheduled to play the Raiders, and that could be all 32. But I'm intrigued to see if he can revitalize what everyone feels like he could be the the version of the the C twenty seventeen I believe Chad was whenever uh, he was on that track having a great year, uh, Mariota having a great year the same exact time and the same day on that Sunday right before Christmas um, is whenever they broke their leg the same same injury as well and it things have been crazy since for both guys it's it hopefully the new setting sets up well for Carr but. Kind of a forgotten quarterback right now of all the movement we've seen.
1: odds are he's going to lose one of the two to the Panthers, even though they're going to be starting a rookie quarterback, kind of the way it breaks in divisional play. And he'll be the first ever guy to lose to 31 of the 32 teams. I love Jeopardy answer facts Mm. like this. That 10 years from now, we could have on Jeopardy a question about Derek Carr being the only quarterback to ever lose to all 32 teams. Are the Detroit Lions still the only team to go winless? In the in no, NFL, the,
0: the Browns did it as well because Jason McCourty went from a winless Browns team—that's right—to a Super Bowl champion team with the Patriots.
1: But those are the teams you remember, right? Even if it's a dubious achievement, yeah, you remember the 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 as I call the Lions, the first team to be perfect in reverse to, for out in the season. Just like it's hard to go, it's almost impossible it, it to is win difficult every game. To not win a game. It's also very, very difficult to lose every game the way the NFL is structured. And there there have been some bad teams that win games, and they did it. They did. They did it. Hats off to them and the Browns for making it happen. So Kirk Cousins and is, I'll say hats off to Derek Carr if he gets this record also. Yeah. I, hey, and look, you've got to play a while to get there do. too. So I mean, it's, I guess it's not all bad. You can joke and say, well, someone thought I was good enough to be a starter in the league for a long time, and for me to get this record that I don't want.
0: Uh, so Kirk Cousins is sixth overall in NFL history among uh, active players for contract at $231.6 million in career earnings. He has played this perfectly with guaranteed money. Whenever he left Washington, he was playing both. Uh, they franchise-tagged him. That's guaranteed. Uh, Matt Ryan is at, at the top of the list by a couple thousand, $100,000 over Tom Brady at $318 million. Uh, Brady played 23 seasons, 24 seasons, and Matt Ryan played 16 or 17, I believe. So there's a big gap there. But Ryan also got the guaranteed money. But Cousins... Which is criminal, by cu- the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Matt Ryan's ahead of Tom Brady on that list. Well, by, well but probably based on a pay cut that he took to... Oh, it's all based on up. Tom
1: Brady restructuring in yeah. New England to continue to win. The, at the top of
0: the list, you've got uh, Roger, Stafford, and Wilson are also uh, there. Um, and that, this was from last year. And now Cousins is back for the final year of his deal. But the, owners, uh, the owner of the, the Vikings is noncommittal about bringing him back or not. And I'm thinking, Kirk Cousins as a free agent would be a massive deal for another team, but it would not be followed as a massive free agent pursuit like it probably should be. Um, he's not as bad as people believe him to be, and he's certainly not the top-tier, top-shelf QB, but you can do – a hell of a lot worse than Kirk Cousins, and you put him in an offense that protects him, and you put a top tier receiver in there like Justin Jefferson, things will go okay. You will be uh, at the the top of your division like they were a year ago, with you know a chance to to run it back with more talent and added talent on defense. I, I like where they sit right now. They're another under the radar team this year for me, Minnesota.
1: Yeah, and he, he's a guy that if he becomes a free agent is going to be great for a team that's got a really good supporting cast, right? If you've got everything in right. place, but your quarterback situation is shaky, I believe that he could elevate that team to uh, an easy playoff type team that could go on a run. But also his history in the playoffs shows us that you can't rely on playoff wins under Kirk Cousins, and he's not someone who's going to take a bad team and make them good based on the way he plays the position, right? If yeah. it's if it's bad around him and you're in rebuilding mode, he can he can I think win you two more games, but that might get you to 6 and 11 on a bad team. It's not going to be something that just completely transforms the franchise. But I also do not mind the Vikings taking this stance. I think far too often, you know, we coddle the situation a little too much where Boy, there's only 1 year left on that contract. We better get an extension. We better make something happen or you hate your quarterback. You're showing you hate Kirk Cousins by being non No, no you're not. You like Kirk Cousins. That's why he signed an extension 2 years ago. That's why he's playing out that extension right now through this season. Kirk Cousins lost his first playoff game last year. Wasn't all his fault, but he's got to go and win again and win a playoff game. That's what the Vikings are saying. I got no problem with that. He's earned his money so far. He's made a ton of it. I bet Kirk Cousins doesn't have a big problem with it. Got to go out no. and earn it again. And then if he Short, does... Short term is what he does. Yeah, this if this is an NFC championship game type team and Kirk Cousins has the year or even close to it that he did last year, guess what's going to happen to Kirk Cousins? They're going to re-up him in Minnesota. Yeah. On, and he's going to finish out his years, career there.
0: And, and he was the first player to get a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah. Three years, $84 million. That was 2017 or 2018 whenever he jumped to Minnesota. And then this year, he will play on a, a one-year, $35 million fully guaranteed salary. So he's, he's negotiated this every step of the way. Short-term deals, that's, if you want a guaranteed contract as a quarterback, the short-term length of the contract is the way teams will allow you to do so. It's not just Cleveland that does it, but Cleveland did it at a very $230 million fully guaranteed five-year deal where you effectively made Deshaun Watson an NBA player, uh, instead of having your coach and GM reign over the the franchise, they're now attached solely to whatever the quarterback wants to do. Different with Cousins, who can throw for 4,000 yards, 3,500 yards, and no one even mentions his name. They're talking about Justin Jefferson, who the players voted number two on the best players in the NFL. Players Justin Pol- Jefferson
1: also comes out awesome in the quarterback Oh, good uh, docu series with with that. Uh, you could tell they have a good rapport too. He and Cousins. I would hope so. And Cousins also said we're not going to negotiate until March. Is my expectation. He knows the deal. He knows he's on a one year. Go prove it again, and this time winning the playoffs thing. He's not hiding from it. I love that. I love both sides of this. Go earn it, Kirk. Go on a playoff run. Yep.
0: Yeah. Improve on that one and two playoff record. Yeah. Go win some games. Clay Travis joins us next. His thoughts on Portnoy getting Barstool back under his brain and much more. It'll be fun next. Sixth and Peabody, our studio for Outkick and Pop Mike with Hutton and Withrow right here across the Outkick Network. Six the Peabody, the home of Yeehaw beer and Old Smoky moonshine. Clay Travis joins us, uh, making time for us off the book tour. American Playbook available now, and Clay's signing on the tour, probably at a store, a bookstore near you. Clay, hope things are well, man. I'm doing well. How are y'all? We we are excellent. Uh, how is the the tour going? It, it seems like there's
2: a, a stop every other day. Yeah, you know, uh, it is crazy busy. Um, I am in Cleveland, Ohio right now. Um, I flew in from New York city the early this morning, I will fly tomorrow early in the morning to Atlanta. Then I get to come home for a couple of days. And then I will be, if I'm getting the order, right. Salt Lake city, Houston, Tampa, Nashville, Milwaukee. Um, over the next like ten, eight to ten days, Uh, I think I got all that right.
0: Congrats on the success too. I should have started
2: there because I know you said
0: uh, American Playbook is on uh, highest on the charts based on the other books that you've written upon release.
2: Yeah, we're going to sell more copies of this in week one than any of my books by far. Um, I think you know we're a couple days in but it was the number six, I think is the highest it's gotten on Amazon book in America. And that was by far the number one nonfiction and the number one hard, hardcover book in America. And, uh, we are, I mean, the attention so far has been good and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I, I think we have a good chance, uh, to, uh, to, to really move a, a ton of copies and hopefully people enjoy it. I think it's an entertaining, smart, uh, book that, uh, that, that is relatively easy to read. And if people like the things that I've written over the last 15 or 16 years, I think they'll like this too.
1: Clay, because I'm very interested in publicity for a book and how you go about it, how do you decide the cities, the locations you go to for the book signings?
2: So a part of it is, um, like the one that we went to in New Jersey is a New York times best uh, uh, you know, algorithm, right? So step back. The New York times bestseller list is not a, I always thought before I was a writer, uh, it's very famous, but I always thought, Oh, it's just the 10 bestselling books in fiction or nonfiction. That's not true. They have an algorithm like the, you know, how many copies of a book sells, but it's not just a ranking of what the 10 bestselling books are in any given week. So they have a, a reporting stores they're called. And so the, uh, the one we went to in New Jersey, is a my understanding New York Times reporting store in the area. Uh, I think a lot of the ones that we're going to are, uh, and it's a combination of that, but also markets where we're big. Uh, I think Clay and Buck is number one in Cincinnati, Columbus, and in Cleveland. So we basically run Ohio, uh, and uh, and there's other smaller markets that that uh, in Ohio that we're big in we're number one in salt lake city we're number one in houston we're highly ranked in tampa so it's a combination of where we're highly we're number one in milwaukee it's a combination of where we're number one and where bookstores are able to put on good events because remember i'm going in blind uh in about an hour and a half i'll walk into a cleveland bookstore and i have no idea what to expect or i don't know how many people are going to be there I don't know uh, what the event's going to be like. I mean, obviously, I've never been to this bookstore in uh, in Cleveland before.
1: So, Clay, the, the story with Barstool Sports and Penn Entertainment. Penn goes from Barstool to ESPN. ESPN now starting their own sports book with Penn Entertainment. But in doing so, gives full control of Barstool back to Dave Portnoy with no money exchange, but if he ever sells it, It becomes liquid with it. 50% of it goes back to Penn Entertainment, and they can't have any sports book as a partner moving forward. Um, Who won this exchange in this story? What was your initial thought? It could be the ESPN part of it, Penn, or what uh, Barstool is now with Dave Portnoy. What was your biggest takeaway when you saw this report?
2: So, My biggest takeaway is in the sports gambling space, FanDuel, DraftKings, and MGM, and then to a lesser extent, Caesars, have basically taken over 90-plus percent of the overall sports gambling market. So that happened really fast, faster, I think, than most people anticipated. And I think Penn slash Barstool had around a 3% market share. And again, that's not uh, definite. That's based on the studies that are out there. And uh, so I think Penn basically decided we're not going to be able to be competitive with Barstool in terms of being a upper echelon major market share entity. And so they made the decision to effectively rebrand and decide to get in bed with ESPN. And as a part of that, they wanted to make sure that Barstool wouldn't just start a brand new sports book, or that Dave or other people who work at Barstool wouldn't just go off and start Barstool 2.0. And so they basically just bought his silence by giving him back the company. Uh, in and by, by bought his silence, I mean bought his lack of competition in the, uh, the my read on all this, in the sports gambling space. So I think the, uh, the, 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 the takeaway here is I think ESPN is going to fail. I, I think they're too late to the market. I think there's too much market share that has been developed. Fanatics is coming to the market, too. I think there's going to be a massive amount of money now spent marketing-wise. I think DraftKings and FanDuel and MGM are going to try to protect their market share, so they're all going to have to spend a lot of money But I think that ESPN is going to be spinning its wheels. I don't think it's going to have that. uh, You know, they're basically using the same brand. They're just changing the name. And if you're a big Barstool fan, I don't think you want to be betting on ESPN. And I don't think there are that many people out there who like to gamble that are up for grabs that haven't already downloaded one or two or three apps on their phone. So I think ESPN is going to fail. Um and, uh, but I think there's gonna to have to be a lot more money spent because ESPN slash pen and fanatics slash points bet are going to go out there in the marketplace and try to take back market share from the three industry leaders.
1: Yeah, I'm not in a hurry to add more sportsbook apps to my phone and have multiple ones. So I think that is going to be a bit of a tough sell. But the one area I thought, well, maybe this could help them in work, and I don't know what they're planning on doing, but the only reason I go to ESPN for the most part on my phone is to check scores. If I'm checking a yeah. Brave score live, or whatever, I'm going to that ESPN app on my phone. Clay, if they can integrate that score app and that feature on the ESPN app with, oh, here's where you bet right on this score on some live action during this game and play it live, could that be something that could get them in competition with some of the bigger sports books you mentioned?
2: I I don't think so. And, and I don't think so for this reason. I don't think there are that many people that haven't already been exposed to sports gambling. So in, in, in your scenario, if they had done this five years ago, then I would say, okay, this is intriguing. But I think most people who are interested in sports gambling have already started to gamble on sports uh, and, um, and, and already have those other apps on their phone. Uh, because if you did that, if you click and go through, uh, that that's how you would get there. By the way, the other aspect of this that I don't think has been talked about very much is ESPN can still take ads from every other, uh, sports book. So it's an interesting spot to be in because the way I think about it is, okay, if you're worried about ESPN stealing market share, well, you can spend a ton of money on ESPN programming to ensure that your brand is still in front of as many people as possible when they're consuming ESPN content. It doesn't feel, it feels to me like Penn is throwing a Hail Mary here and ESPN is basically coming to the marketplace late and they're saying, oh, if we can be a major player, we'll take that chance. But otherwise, we're going to take, I think it's a $1.5 billion uh, ad buy, basically, a yeah. uh, licensing fee, and uh, with $500 million in potential warrants that ESPN could cash in on, I think, if, if they got to a 20% market share. So I don't think that's going to happen. Clay, got to get your thoughts on the Pac-12 uh, and
0: the collapse uh, of the conference and the next step in determining college football playoff bids moving forward. And how soon you think we see every everything change with college football from the super conference discussion that we've had for years?
2: So I think what's going to happen. Uh, so I was at Dollywood uh, when all this uh, when all this was going down with my kids, but right before they went back to school. Uh, and I think all so that that's this is where I was following Arizona State and Utah and 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 uh, and their move to the Big Twelve and then Oregon and Washington and and their move. Um, I think where this is all going is uh, they're going to have to redesign, recalibrate how they pick the 12 playoff teams. I think the six AQs are going to get reduced, potentially get eliminated entirely. And uh, a a part of me thinks that the Pac-12 will just be officially done. I, I think there's a decent chance that some of those schools will see what the ACC is interested in taking them. Or I think they go to the Mountain West and the Mountain West tries to make a case that, you know, they're the new fifth power five conference. And so you can get Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, Stanford uh, in that conference or Cal and Stanford, maybe Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, Washington State, who knows, SMU. Uh, maybe they decide to go to uh, to the ACC, which I don't think is a great fit, uh, but uh, but that's what options are out there for the remaining four Pac-12
0: schools. I'm interested, too, uh, if if the Mountain West wants to be considered for the Autonomous Five, uh, well, uh, we were talking about a 16-team playoff, and we know Sankey and, and of course, uh, Petiti, but at the time, Kevin Warren, they, they want more at-large bids, not automatic qualifiers. If, if there's yeah. a demand for the automatic bid, could you see a scenario where they're like, okay, we'll take your champion, but we're going to move it to 16, and that will allow more Big Ten and SEC schools to get in?
2: Yeah, I don't know if they would expand beyond 12. It's an interesting question. I think they like the idea of giving the top four teams buys, and, uh, and, and that's why I think probably the most likely outcome is they go to four automatic qualifying buys, <clears throat> right? So the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC most years. Would get those automatics. I wish they would just go to twelve and rank the final yes. playoff twelve, and the top twelve teams go, and you eliminate any of the uncertainty. There'd be a debate over twelve versus thirteen or fourteen, just like there's a debate over what are we at now, sixty-eight who make the NCAA tournament over sixty-five and sixty-six versus seventy and sixty-nine. No, they're talking ninety-six, 96 yeah. possibly moving and to we'll that. Debate that too, yeah. probably. Yeah, so. Um, but, but I think if they could take the top 12, that would be the best possible outcome. And I I do think one aspect of this that hasn't been talked about very much is you've really got an interesting move where essentially Fox has half of college football and ESPN has half of college football because now Fox has all the big 10. And I know they sub license some of those games, but let's, let's say Fox has all the big 10. Uh, and then they've got Oregon, Washington, uh, UCLA, and USC. So the four biggest brands on the West Coast. And then ESPN has got the SEC and they've got the ACC. And then the, the conference is split. I believe I'm correct in this, the Big 12 and the Mountain West. So ESPN, I'm just curious how game day versus big noon, for instance. Um, ESPN, this will be the first year. I believe it's this year. Maybe it's next year. I can't remember when all these uh, all these rules go into effect. But basically, ESPN has been boxed out of uh, the uh, out of the Midwest and the West Coast, and simultaneously, Fox has been boxed out of mostly the South. And uh, how all that will play when it comes to picking games to go to.
0: Clay Travis with us. Clay, uh, Chad, and I were discussing this uh, briefly earlier. It, how long could I sit at the table and sign your name at a book signing? <laughs>
2: I saw that I did SI ever issue a correction or anything on that article. Not the no, no, no,
0: We haven't seen it, but if I sat down at your book tour, how long do you think I could last before someone, someone says this it out? isn't
2: clay? I, I don't know. Um, it's a, it's a funny question. I've signed uh, your name for people before. Who don't know for people who don't know <laughs> you interviewed Albert Hainsworth and they wrote about it on SI.com and they wrote as if I had conducted the interview. So they said, you know, Clay Travis of Outkick, Albert Hainsworth told him X, Y, or Z. I saw this uh, and uh, and I tweeted it, you know, uh, out. And it's really ridiculous, I guess, if they haven't even corrected it in any way, uh, because they got you and me confused. I don't know if you should be more insulted. I think probably <laughs> you should, uh, than uh, or or I should be more insulted. Uh, it's just uh, Clay is Clay is is (laughs) out. I'm uh, I'm Uh, insulted for both of you.
0: I'm so insulted, Clay. uh, I am going to change my Twitter handle to HuttonBGID.
2: Yes. Yeah. That every uh, every uh, bearded white guy uh, (laughs) with brown hair uh, who's you know roughly our body type, around six feet tall, we're just like it's like we don't even exist as individuals. We're all one person. You all look alike. clay yeah i mean we're we're just twins evidently
0: crush it in cleveland and uh, we'll catch up soon
2: all right appreciate y'all thanks
0: Thanks, Clay. coming up henry ruggs sentence today we'll discuss the penalty and if it's large enough 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Coming up in a matter of minutes, let's get weird with Davey Hudson. Plus, uh, a bit later in the show today, we've got Kurt Schilling, who will join us. Love the stories we've been able to dive into. And we will get some good brawls, fights, or maybe the potential of a couple. I bet him. we
1: get some broadcast stories out of Kurt today, oh, too. Sure. Both in his time at ESPN, but also... Interaction with broadcast crews when they're with you all the time during an entire season, right? Based on the Kevin Brown story with the Orioles. So can't wait for that. Uh, Former
0: Raiders receiver and Crimson Tide receiver Henry Ruggs uh, sentenced today, earlier this morning, to three to 10 years in prison for a 2021 uh, drunk driving case. Killed a Las Vegas uh, woman and her dog was in the car too. Um, The the speeds at which he was driving... uh, crazy and and the blood alcohol content insane and the clark county district judge said it was one of the most, most tragic cases that she's had to rule over or or witness uh through the court system three to ten years so he is eligible for parole in three years on this case that he pleaded guilty to um and he's been on house arrest with electronic monitoring devices since he was uh, pleaded guilty in May to one count of DUI resulting in the death and one count of misdemeanor vehicle manslaughter in the crash. Uh, Tina Tenter was uh, the woman's name who lost her life. Meanwhile, when you see the car, I don't know how he survived this crash with the damage that was done. And now uh, up to 10 years in prison because of that.
1: Yeah, really tragic uh, all the way around. This is a little bit of some uh, closure to it, but obviously no closure for the young woman's family uh, with all of this. So, uh, terrible, terrible thing.
0: Uh, Damon Arnett, uh, speaking of Raiders,
1: uh, he, a former Raider. Raiders, really? Um, he a bang-up job here with this, uh, this head, these headlines. He pleaded guilty to uh,
0: assault and drawing a deadly weapon. Uh, but by doing this, he pulled a gun on a valet. Was it because he, the, the valet was going to get another car first and he wanted his car now? I, I re- vaguely remember this uh, with the details there. But he, he, he pleaded guilty, and it's not uh, jail time. It's not prison time. It's, fi- it's 500 hours, 50 hours. 50, I can't read my handwriting. 50 hours of community service, and he pays court costs. But he cannot possess a gun, a firearm, um, Moving forward in this, well, that,
1: that's a, a good move. That yes. last part, um, if you know, you don't, you should not possess a firearm if you're going to flash the firearm and threaten someone with it because they don't get your valet, your car quick enough at the valet. Um, I, I think on principle, you should serve some jail time when you do something this stupid. I don't like that this comes with no jail time at all. Based on what happened. This is just r- uh, ridiculous.
0: Well, in the, the thing
1: about someone that you're, you're going to flash a gun at someone because they're getting someone else's car before yours.
0: Well, in in the sentencing, he told the judge, one of the last things he told the judge was, oh, if I get back in the league, I'm, I'm going to kill it. Talking about what he's going to do moving forward with his life. Uh, he's not getting back in the league. He's had other opportunities. Kansas City was one of them and quickly flamed out on the practice squad there. He was, uh, he's, also he's on Miami's practice squad. and Miami? Yep. Yeah, there will be no more practice squads. I no, I highly doubt that Arnett is is making any of uh, the practice squads, even on a ninety-one man roster currently in camp. And this is the Mike Mayock, John Gruden era here. First round pick.
1: Maybe the USFL will have him, and we can interview him at some point.
0: You mentioned the Raiders. Maybe you mentioned the Raiders, Chad. Uh, I would suspect that the Raiders are pretty high on the list that Davy Hudson has for us of the arrest across the league by individual franchises.
3: Yes. so this was circulating on Twitter a couple of days, sorry, X, uh, a couple of days ago, and it was a list of the teams with the most arrest since the year 2000. I thought it was interesting. I've been trying to... I guess verify it. it. It seems legit. There could be some discrepancies here, but an NFL stats page put it out. It's not officially associated with the NFL. But if you guys, well, they had wouldn't to guess, put that out. The, the no, no, that's that yeah, out. that's that's not something they're exactly uh, going to be no um, press release. <laughs> yeah, putting out there for everyone. Roger Goodell
1: put this in his good works package <laughs> but, on Super Bowl Sunday.
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Raiders since two thousand have had twenty five arrests, which I thought was a little bit lower than whenever you just kind of think about that That team and some of the stuff that they've been through. That's right around middle of the pack. Can can we guess on the the, the top? Yeah, I was going to ask you. I've not looked at it. Who do you think uh, leads the way in arrests since the year 2000? Just based on feel, Cincinnati. The Bengals are third, and they are third with 42 arrests. I'm Going back to the
0: start of the century here. Uh, Who else
1: did Pac-Man Joe's
0: play for? The Titans, but the Titans haven't had many arrests, and we know that just firsthand. I'm I'm going to say based on headlines that are just popping to mind, the Vikings. Vikings second
1: on the list, 46. Wow, something about the Midwest. I'm going to stay in the Midwest. The Browns.
3: They are. They're seventh with 33 arrests.
1: Hutton, so far we've nailed top 10 in the league with all of our guesses.
3: You got one next? they're, They're tied seventh. There's two teams tied or three teams tied at 33. I've got one. Go ahead. Seattle. Seattle is 6th with 34. They're right there. You guys are, you guys are doing We're a really good job on this. are
1: going to knock out the entire top 10 here. Uh, final one for me,
0: uh, Dallas.
3: Cowboys have actually done a pretty good job. They're closer to mid-pack. They're at 24. All right. Who's
0: at the very bottom of this
3: list? The very bottom. Well, first off, the Broncos lead the way with 47 arrests since 2000. Uh, but our bottom five teams, you have the Commanders and the Bills, Rams, Patriots, and Commanders all tied with 20. Followed by the Giants at twenty nine with thirteen or nineteen arrests. The Patriots Tex- would
1: have been my guess for
3: best Fewest, at this in the league. Fewest makes, arrests. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh the the Texans are thirtieth with sixteen arrest. And then the Lions and the Eagles are tied for thirty first with fifteen arrest. So
1: Watson, Deshaun Watson was never arrested. Right, correct with these charges because <laughs> that's all like, civil. Man, if you just went through all the civil cases, though, that would put them all in civil. the top top five.
0: And it, this was it, as Goodell took over as commissioner, the arrests and the the court cases were a big storyline across the league. You don't hear about that now, for the most part. It's more individual player than it is league related. Yeah, as a a problem across the league because of the power that Goodell has and the suspensions that that he was enforcing. uh, Chad mentioned the name, Adam Pac Man Jones. It is time for Davey Hudson's Let's
3: Get Weird. And 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Talking now. Guys, the Strange Wilderness intro actually makes sense today because I will say that all three of my headlines, which are going to be fill in the blank, so feel free to play along at home, are animal related. So okay. I will read you part of a headline and you get to fill in the blank. We've done this before to get us started. Montana blank attacks attack leads to woman being airlifted bison elk just letting people fill in at home you know actually just add a little bit of silence there they can take it's Montana their time actually animal. it's actually an otter I was very surprised i otter attacks are very rare but there was <laughs> there were 3 women that were tubing in the Jefferson River in Montana and this was last Wednesday 8:15 local time stories up on Fox News And an otter just, they think it might be territorial, could be a little bit of protecting its young or scarce food supply, but an otter ended up attacking these three women. They were able to get out, but one woman suffered injuries to her face. And while the ambulance came, they had to airlift this one woman to Bozeman. Um, She's going to survive, but I'm not exactly sure on the extent of the injuries right now. But yeah, uh, it's the first otter attack I think I've ever reported on.
1: Were these women floating the river? Were they like they inner were. tubes going yep. down. Yeah. Okay. That is a big fear of mine. I don't. I don't know how if, if you have extensive floating on a river. I've done it uh, a few times. Yeah. But, about I, I otters, kayak. But. <laughs> I don't worry about otters, but I kayak and I you know get on the inner tube. Kayaks not as much because you're kind of you know protected inside the kayak for the most part. But like the snake. I hate snakes, oh, the but the snake, snake crossing yeah. and the fact that, like, you're just going right for it and you can't avoid it as the water <laughs> takes you into it. I don't like the thought of that. But in a kayak, at least I feel like I've got my oar where I could smack it if something, you know, a, a snake tried to get crazy or an otter in this case. Yeah. I mean,
0: everyone's had the thoughts of, like, oh, I wonder, you know, is it going to be like for me, I think I'm dying of cancer or heart failure, one of the two. Can you imagine, like, knowing that? You know, in the afterlife, oh, I just died by an otter attack? Uh, an otter killed me? Yeah. The, the,
3: one thing I didn't to say. Like, it
0: feels like a stupidity
1: death. Luckily, you know, she survived. But. Like, if we're alive at this point in our lives, it's because we're, like, the top 20% of smarts, I think. Like, you yeah, only survive you on common to sense the and smarts. Like, if you die from an otter attack, I'm going to blame the human. Yeah, we're not trying to pet the buffalo. It's usually because a human was being stupid.
3: I, I did want to say I just I know it's lower lower down the list, but for my fact of the day, I'll just go ahead and tell you there's the difference between a river otter and a sea otter. A lot of people don't realize that. They just you uh you look at a sea otter, they're about three times as big as a river otter and they usually have a white face. Uh the, the river otters are typically just all brown. That's a river otter that you're seeing right there. And mm. then uh, the sea otter might there's the sea otter so there's, there's a quick difference there and otters this is just kind of cute obviously the attack not great but uh, when they sleep they'll sleep on their back and they'll hold hands with each other so they don't drift away from one another that's what Chad and I do during the show yeah.
1: <laughs> and when we go on road trips we fall asleep that way every time
3: All right. maybe what's next alright guys so uh, the, the headline won't read it but this is a Texas woman just to kind of give you a little bit more information but a Texas woman attacked by blank and blank while mowing her lawn Blank and blank. I'm going to say
1: a skunk and an armadillo.
0: I'm going to say birds and bees.
3: Birds and bees. All right. Well, uh, you get... Partial credit hut with the bird. I like, I like Hutton's oh, answer. This, is, right. this was, is
1: Chad's nightmare.
3: It was a snake and a hawk. <laughs> oh, now, God. this this poor woman. What did this woman uh, do to deserve this? Yes, yeah, so Miss Peggy Jones. Um, <laughs> did she smite God? She was mowing on her tractor. A new job. Down in Texas. <laughs> and what had happened was a hawk had dropped a Joma. snake. The snake landed on her arm, started to coil around her, basically constricting on her arm. And then the hawk. Which had dropped it moments before, then comes down oh. and starts trying to get the snake oh off God. of her arm. Oh. Um, I, I will ask you guys. I have a picture of her arm. It is graphic, so if you don't want to see it, we won't show it. Um, but uh, th- I don't want to see it. You don't want to? No. Okay. Um, I don't want to hear any more about this story either. This is nightmare fuel. Well, it, it just—I I say this is a snake lucky woman. And hawk attack at it the it. same they, time. I'll see
0: it during the break with you.
3: They haven't confirmed you can show it. I just if look. the snake was venomous, but. She did not get bit by the snake. Her, her arm obviously was bruised from it coiling around her and constricting. But mm. she the the scratches from the hawk were very bad. Uh, her husband Wendell, fortunately, Wendell was close by, and when she came, they got in their Dodge Ram and went to the uh, Peggy to the and hospital. Wendell. Yes, but they could not find that the snake had bit her. But she did have scratches on her glasses where the st- the snake ended up striking. And she said that you could see the venom on the glasses. Obviously, it did, or fortunately, it didn't make contact with her. But um, that you talk about like dodging a bullet. Now, apparently, she was uh, bit by a venomous snake a couple of years prior to this. Made full recovery, but uh, Peggy, man, she's had she had a rough go at it
1: lately. I would do the high pitch wailing, saying "why" over and over, like Tanya Harding when she got attacked by the, the, the Jeff Galuli. Yes. Or, sorry, Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy when Kerrigan. When she got attacked. Tanya Harding do, paying for why? the attack. Nancy Kerrigan. The why over and over. Tanya that, Harding was like Wendell in I, this. I would watching. sound like Nancy Kerrigan if I got attacked by a snake and a hawk simultaneously.
3: And, and guys, my last story for today, this movie uh, will be coming to theaters near you on August 30th. But, uh, must watch? Killer Blank terrorizes sorority house. So, Al. Yeah, Al is really good.
0: I'm going to say... Uh, Killer. Let's go,
3: deer. Sloth, and the movie is called Slother House. Oh my goodness! Yeah, where? I don't, I don't think there's any redeemable qualities about this at all. Uh, I looked at the IMDb, IMDb page; uh, did not recognize a single actor. But it's one of those things. Like they've generated like over a million views on Twitter. Uh, they've had three hundred eighty thousand YouTube watches so far. First off, the star of the
1: movie looks like she's
3: 10. The front. I,
1: I'm yeah. having a hard time buying her as a college-age girl. Up, up well, front. looks like look from, Looks like something from season one no. of Stranger Things. And they eject. were all nine.
0: Uh, yeah. the, the tease is don't rush, die slow. Slother house.
1: <laughs> well, it's had to be a... a, a <laughs> the sloth is not native to America.
3: No, she actually got, so got it. It's be an escape zoo sloth? She, uh, she, she got it <laughs> as part of a, uh, a, a smuggler. And so then she brings it to win her sorority competition. I don't know.
0: Too many statements on college football. That's Chad's headline next.